0: What is up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Radar One Podcast, the Radical Way for Discussion. I am your host, Ivan Hakkis, and before I get going, I wanted to start it off with saying Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas, all the wives that are mamas, and everybody that's a mama. (laughs) So happy Mother's Day to you all there. We're kicking off with episode number seven. And another episode that I truly enjoyed and I had a lot of fun recording it. I wanted to give Katie a big thanks for coming on my podcast and teaching all of us a little bit about fly fishing. Fishing in general is seen by many as a relaxing sport. And I truly hope that I can have the opportunity to go out there and use some of the tactics that Katie has presented to us on this episode. So thanks, Katie, for, for the interview. Hopefully, you can come back on here and uh, we can talk some more fishing. So, to follow me on social media, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Radar1Podcast. And you can find the show on your favorite platform, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and even YouTube. So make sure you guys subscribe, like, follow, rate, and review. Give me the feedback that I need to make the podcast better. Also, you can leave me a voice message by clicking the link on my Instagram bio, and I'll feature it on my show. A simple, hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Or, hey, man, tone it down a bit. Whatever it is, you know, let's get to talking. Now as always, as I'd like to say at this part of the episode, if you're ready, I'm ready, Radar One Podcast is ready, let's talk. Today, uh who is a fly fisherman? How's it going, Katie?
1: Oh, pretty good. How are you doing?
0: Doing pretty good as well. I'm actually kind of excited about this episode because although I've never fished—well, I don't want to consider myself to have ever fished—but fly fishing has always intrigued me. It's it's so fascinating, and you know, when I watch videos, when I hear people talk about it, I always want to give it a shot. Yeah, so
1: have you seen uh, like the classics, like A River Runs Through It? Is that like one of the things that kind of got you interested?
0: Well, you know what? More so that what got me interested is uh, a group of guys at at work. Um, They would always talk about fly fishing and the experiences, you know, the funny stories that came with it. The process, the finesse, the technique about it. And that's what really, I want to say, kind of inspired me to peek into fly fishing but because of where i live uh, i don't have anything too close to me where i can go during the week or in the weekend you know
1: Mm -hmm. where do you live
0: i am located out in uh west texas so el paso texas to be exact okay and that's that's like a yeah there's no rivers over here (laughs) (laughs) where are you located
1: Uh, i'm just outside denver so oh, wow. yeah, we do have quite a bit around here, but, I, and maybe we'll get into it, but, um, one of the big misconceptions about fly fishing is that it does take, you know, like a pristine trout stream to go fly fishing. And, uh, just two days ago, I went to my local bluegill pond and caught a bunch out of there. So, um, maybe we can get into that, but there, there might very well be something near you that you're not aware of that you could, uh, go practice on.
0: So what started you with, with, uh, fly fishing?
1: Well, I've been fishing since I was really, really little. Um, I grew up as an only child in my house. I've got two older sisters, but they had already moved out by the time I was born. Um, So my parents got me a little fishing pole when I was a kid, and I would just go out and and catch bass and things. And um, once I got older, um, around the time I went to college, I ended up picking up fly fishing and moving out here to Colorado. And I haven't really looked back since. It's just a lot of fun. Um, The technique is a lot more engaging, in my opinion, um, and so I just kind of stuck with it, uh, since then, and most people out here do fly fish. Um, so that's, that's kind of, you know, coming out West and, and picking up that culture, it just kind of worked out that way.
0: So you don't really have to be a, a, a particular age to fly fish, right? Like you mentioned you were, you know, just a young girl and you started fly fishing. Like it, you know, like, is there a recommendation on on an age? I mean. Can you really start at a young age? I didn't know. I
1: started um, just like gear fishing at a young age. I didn't pick up fly okay. fishing until I was about 18. Um, okay. okay. Right around when I went to college, but uh, no, there's not necessarily a minimum age. Uh, I think for very young children, it's probably best to get them started on traditional fishing gear, just because there's a little bit less involved and uh, you can just like catch to worm out under a bobber. And that's something that a, a child can handle pretty easily on their own. But um there's not a minimum age in terms of uh, like the size of the gear. Uh, kids can use adult sized gear um, as long as they're you know large enough to handle it. But, you know, I've, I've seen seven and eight year olds do it. Um, and it just kind of depends on the attention span of the kid and how, how interested they are in actually pursuing it. So there's not a minimum age, but I feel like around the age of 10 is when most people uh, have the capabilities to kind of grasp what they're supposed to be doing with a fly rod.
0: So for fly fishing, uh, it's is it strictly just river fishing, or can you go to different locations, different spots, and and still be successful at it?
1: For sure, and uh, you can actually fly fish for anything you can gear fish for. So you can fly fish for blue marlin if you want. Um, oh wow! Fly fishing is just a a method of getting your. I mean, we'll call. It, I'm going to refer to it as a fly because that's what it's called. But the fly is just the equivalent of a lure, and it's fly fishing is just a method of getting that fly out to the fish the same way that you would cast a lure out with traditional gear. It's just the method that's different. It's it's not. Uh, species-specific or body-of-water specific. I know a lot of people associate it with trout, and they associate it with rivers. Um, But I think that's just because trout happen to eat a lot of very small things like insects, and that's what flies mimic for the most part, is those small insects that it's really hard to uh, imitate with like a plastic lure. And so that's why I think it gets that reputation as being a trout sport or a river sport. But um, in reality, you can fly fish for anything you can spin fish for.
0: So a fly, like, is, is that just like something that kind of just bounces up and down on, on the, the water to kind of mimic an insect? Or, like, why do they call it a, a fly?
1: I'm not really sure why it's called a fly, apart from the fact that a lot of flies are, like I said, imitating those insects, those small insects that trout feed on. Uh, and so a lot of them are imitating things like flies or mayflies, things that have the word fly in them. Um, yeah. But there are flies that mimic baitfish, crustaceans worms, things like that as well. Um, Really what it comes down to is flies are mostly made out of natural materials, I guess synthetic materials as well, but um, like feathers, fur, uh, things like that, that you tie onto a hook versus you might see a spinner or like a plastic crankbait or something like that uh, in traditional gear fishing. Um, Flies are made out of those often more natural materials and it's just those tied on a fly or tied on a hook with some thread um and then they're very lightweight that's that's what makes it a fly versus something like a lure or bait
0: i was reading up on this and i came across a dry fly a nymph and a streamer can you tell yep. me the difference between all three of those
1: <laughs> sure so um a dry fly is it well first of all it floats on the surface um and that's why they call it okay. a dry fly because it's not it's not going underwater and you know getting soaked. Uh, And those are often imitating adult insects. So if you've ever seen like a mayfly hatch out on a river where you just see a cloud of insects coming up, um, those are adult mayflies that are coming up. They're going to uh, mate and then they're going to fall back onto the water and die. Um, And so fish feed on those while they're sitting on the water. And so that's what a dry fly would imitate. It's going to imitate usually a dead or dying insect that's floating on the water after having come up to mate. Um A nymph is the immature stage of an insect, um, so that's when an insect a lot of a lot of these insects are aquatic, so they'll um, hatch in the water they'll then they'll eventually swim to the surface to become the adult version of the of the insect and so the nymph fly is imitating that juvenile stage where the insect hasn't come up yet and developed wings and flown away and so that's uh it usually has a bead on it um, to give it a little bit of extra weight, and that one's going to stay under the surface. And it'll just float along underneath the water. You might you might see a fish take it using an indicator, which is kind of the fly fishing equivalent of a bobber, um, or okay. you might feel the fish take it. And then the last one you mentioned is a streamer, which technically could also be considered kind of a like a wet fly. Um, a wet fly is basically anything that is is subsurface. So nymphs, uh, streamers are traditional wet flies, and the streamers are usually a lot larger. They might imitate something like a minnow or a crayfish or something a little bit larger that you're going to probably pull through the water to give a little bit of action. And it's probably a little more similar to what you'd expect in like a, in like a traditional lure sense where you're casting something out and pulling it back in toward you to imitate like a fish swimming along
0: underwater. Okay, so out of those three, which is the most successful, which one's the most difficult? to to grasp onto
1: oh that's that's uh you're gonna get different different answers depending on who you ask but um you usually don't pick one just at random you're usually choosing something based on something you've observed so if you see a lot of insects flying up off the water you're going to probably choose a dry fly and a lot of people consider dry flies their favorite to use because you get to see the fish come up and eat it on the surface which is just a kind of an exciting experience in itself um, but nymphs, I think, are probably considered the most effective in general just because uh, most most of the time fish are feeding under the water. You know, if you're looking at a given river, you're not seeing fish jumping all over the place or coming up to the surface. They're, most of what they're eating is underwater, um, and most of it's just going to be those, those smaller juvenile insects, and so I think in general, people consider nymphing to be one of the most effective techniques um but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what people choose every time um you know it comes down to a lot of personal preference what you feel like using that day Um, and then you might be specifically looking at what species are present in whatever body of water you're fishing to choose which one you're actually going to put on that day
0: so it just depends on like you said on on whoever's out there fishing and what they see as they approach you know the body of the river the 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 lake exactly Uh, you know, it's just one of those. Okay, and uh, like for when you're getting ready to to you know you're set up and everything like that, is this something that you have to get into the to the river to fully engage and and fly fish, or can you just be off to the side and not have to worry about getting wet?
1: Uh, it, it really depends, and and it that's not really fly fishing specific. Um, okay. I think in general, a lot of people can probably cast a little farther with with traditional gear. So you might be able to get away with staying a little farther f- from what you're fishing for. But it, it really depends on the place. Um, there's some places where you really do need to wade into the into the water to get close to what you're um, fishing for. But there's plenty of places that you can fish from shore or in a boat. Um, again, it, it's not really fly fishing specific. It's, it just depends on how far you can cast, um, what kinds of things are in the area. For example, I know we haven't talked about casting yet, but I'm sure most people, if they've seen any sort of Uh, media on fly fishing they've seen that back and forth cast where the line's flying back and forth in the air so you do need to to take into account the fact that if you've got something like trees behind you that you'll need to move into a position that allows you to get that full cast Um, but at the end of the day um, it's just basically putting yourself where you need to be to reach the fish you're targeting and to not get your line caught on branches or rocks or things like that
0: now does it matter on like the the line system that you use i'm not sure if that's a proper term for fly fishing but you know, the, the, the line itself, like, can these different fishes, can they see the, the line that you're using to, to cast your fly?
1: Yeah. So I can, I can kind of go over how the fly rod is set up compared to traditional gear, because I'm sure what you're referring to is that like thick colored line that you usually see. Yes. Um, Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. So that's called the fly line. And that's one of the key differences between fly fishing and spin fishing. So most people are pretty familiar with how uh, spin or gear I'm, I'm using these terms interchangeably but gear fishing spin fishing uh, what most people would call regular fishing um, you've got some sort of heavy lure or bait um, some sort of weighted thing on the end of your line and when you you pull the rod back and then you swing it forward kind of like a baseball bat and you're going to launch that weighted lure or bait out into the water Um, but for fly fishing the the whole reason that that system exists is that when you're casting these flies they're so small and lightweight that if you were to put one of those onto a a standard fishing line and cast it out it wouldn't go anywhere Um, it's kind of intuitive that you need a little bit of weight on there for it to pull itself out so instead uh, what fly fishing is is that you've got this heavy weighted line and so that's that's the line that you're talking about that colorful line and that's called the fly line so you can think of that almost like if you were throwing a lasso if you're swinging a lasso over your head you're getting that momentum in the lasso before you throw it out and it's pulling itself out under its own weight so the fly line kind of works like that where you're throwing the line back and forth under its own weight and the weight of that line is actually what pulls the fly out out into the water Um, and so at the end of that fly line is what's called a leader which is just usually around nine to 10 feet of what looks like normal fishing line. And so that's what the fly is tied onto. And that's what prevents the fish from being spooked by that thick line. Like they're not really supposed to see that. Ideally, that's going to be nine to 10 feet from the actual fly. So, you know, ideally the fish sees the fly. Then there's that gap of regular clear fishing line between that and the thick fly line that is actually necessary for you to get it out in the water.
0: Oh, okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Like I, I I would see these videos and I would see that they would use this, this relatively thick orange line. (laughs) And I would always ask myself, like, like, how can they do that successfully? Can't the fish, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know how smart fish are, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're, they're somewhat smart. Like, can't they just see that line and get spooked? But now that you explained it.
1: Yep. That's the exact same thing I thought when I first saw it, I was like, how do they, how do they prevent the fish from seeing that?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I I I like that. I like that. So, obviously you started fishing since you were a little girl, but what's better with fly fishing that that made you stick with it over any other type of fishing?
1: Uh so there's a there's a couple things um to consider. I think one is that in certain situations it can be more effective. Um and I would say that's Less common um, that if you were if I were to go out with a fly rod against someone who has just a traditional gear spin rod um, that most of the time the spin rod is going to outperform the fly rod in terms of number of fish. Um, that said, there are certain situations where, uh, fly fishing can be more productive. And a lot of time that's, you know, some of the trout that we fish for here, if there's a big hatch going on, a lot of insects coming up, the, the trout are only feeding on those small insects. So if you were to throw something like a worm out there, there's a decent chance you wouldn't actually catch anything because the fish are so focused on eating those insects. So in a, in a situation like that, um, you would potentially prefer fly fishing just because it's the most effective method at that time. that said that's probably not the most common um and i think what keeps more people involved is that it's just a little bit more active for a lot of people um you're you're constantly casting uh the cast is a lot more engaging in my opinion just because you're you've got the the rod in your dominant hand so i'm right-handed so i'll hold the rod in my right hand and then uh instead of just having the rod in your hand and having the reel let the line out and then you'll reel it back in with the reel you're actually holding that thick fly line in your non-dominant hand and you're using that to pull it in like instead of instead of reeling with the reel you're actually pulling the line in with your hand you're um, working the line with your hand if you get a fish on you're pulling that fish in most of the time with your hand Um, and the cast is just a lot more involved too Uh, you have to keep an eye on your fly often you're um, what's called mending the line whereas which is when your line is on the water, you're flipping it back and forth to make sure it's flowing with the current at the proper speed. There's just a lot going on. Um, and a lot of people find that a little bit more exciting than just casting out a lure and reeling it in, or just casting out a bobber and waiting for it to go underwater. Um, so I think that's, that's what keeps most people involved. And that's kind of what has kept me interested in it is there's always something more to learn and it's just a lot more engaging when you're actually participating in it.
0: So it, it looks pretty cool when, when you see the, the the fishermen out there just kind of, like, flicking their wrists back and forth, trying to to, to get that line, um, I guess, ready, right, in mm-hmm. a sense?
1: Yeah, so it's – I mean, it depends on the situation and um, what you're referring to be, could be one of many things. But, yeah, once the line's out there, it's not just – letting it letting it sit out there and then bringing it back in, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into um, actually fishing that. So one of the misconceptions uh, about fly fishing for people who've never um, had any sort of contact with it is that uh, when you're seeing the line go back and forth like that, that's just the cast. That's, that's not the actual fishing portion. That's just to get oh, okay. your fly out where you want it. Um, and then once it hits the water, then it, you transition over into the actual fishing portion. And once that happens, you start to work... That line and fly to make it do what you want. So usually you're trying to get it to flow um, exactly at the same speed as the current, which is harder than it sounds because the uh, there's lots of different currents and they can pull the line in different ways. Um, or if you're if you're fishing something like a streamer, you might be pulling it back in toward you or swinging it. Uh, and so there's there's a lot going on once the fly is in the water that you're still maneuvering from from your point of view with the rod.
0: Man, I wish I can I can. Go out and and try some some fishing, even even if I'm gonna be horrible at it. But I <laughs> I, I really want to try it. I think the the closest I've been to fishing recently is is watching a uh, Wicked Tuna, <laughs> 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 which has nothing to do with. It. Well, it, it's related, but it's way completely different. Sure, but but it's still you know I watch that on on TV and I get excited. I could only imagine how excited one could get when you're already in process and motion and you actually start catching fish that to me sounds pretty exciting
1: yeah and like i mentioned earlier um you can you can fly fish anywhere you can spin fish so if you've got like a local pond that just has a couple bass or bluegill in it um you can go out there with a fly rod and and cast out there and that's a great place to learn because uh, usually those fish are a little bit more forgiving than trout even though most people associate it with trout and a lot of people want to start with that that's a that's a high bar to set for yourself Um, but something like panfish or bass uh, something that's a little bit more eager to eat is a great place to start because you can just go out there and practice on a on a pond Uh, and most people have some sort of pond nearby that they can drive to and and just spend an afternoon
0: yeah, you know what now that you mentioned it, we do have a, a lake or two here but I was always under the impression no you need a river you need a river you know to catch the good quality fish but <laughs> <laughs> I might give it a shot now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and rivers actually are are significantly harder in in my opinion to start on just because you're you having to deal with currents and trying to figure out where the fish are sitting whereas a lot of ponds uh if you just go and and walk around the edges you might see some panfish you just sitting around near the edges and you can just cast out to the fish that you can actually see and you can watch them, you know, chase your fly down.
0: Now, do you have any like crazy stories that you ever encountered or experienced? Like, you know, you're in the middle of a fly fishing and a bear comes out or anything crazy like that?
1: Um, I've had, a, have had my fair share of, you know, fall in, fill up my waders and, and get sucked downstream, um, oh, wow. which, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> In terms of like wildlife or anything like that, I haven't had any encounters while actually fishing. But um, a friend and I did a, a backpacking trip in uh, maybe two years ago now. Uh, we were we were hiking in to go fishing about ten miles back into the mountains here, and that we were hiking in at night, um, trying to cover some ground before getting up the next morning to cover the rest of the distance. And we came across something on the trail that night that was uh, staring us down. We we never figured out what it was, but we. Oh wow. Um, hightailed it into our tent and didn't come out till morning because we weren't sure what it was but that's probably the I don't know the sketchiest situation I've been in um most of the time it's it's just a nice sunny day I guess I guess weather is one of the issues that is probably the most danger um we ever really face fly fishing and that's just because we know we're up at 10 or eleven thousand feet and a storm rolls and there's not really many places to go so that's actually probably the the most dangerous or sketchy situation we've been in
0: like is is there a season for, for fly fishing or can you fish any all, all year long?
1: Uh that's that's state by state, I guess, and depending on okay. what you're fishing for. So uh here in Colorado we don't have like fishing seasons for the most part where you have to start at a certain date or anything like that. Um so we can fish year round. But uh I know when I, I was born in Pennsylvania and there's a trout season there, so you can only fish between I think it's usually April and September or something like that. Um, so there are, there are places that have seasons, but it's usually not fly fishing specific. It's usually species specific. And that's just, if they have seasons on, on whatever species you're targeting.
0: Okay. I see. And like, it doesn't matter if it's, if, if you had a blizzard the the night before, like you can still catch trout or, or fish in general the, the very next day, if you decide to go out.
1: Uh, I mean, it depends. The The fishing will get better or worse depending on the weather. And, uh, okay. not to say that you cannot catch fish in the winter because you definitely can. Um, but there's a reason that, that people tend to fish more in like the summertime. Um, fall is known as being a great time to fish to fly fish for trout specifically. Um, a lot of people enjoy the fall; it's a little bit cooler. Uh, sometimes when it's really hot in the summer, the fish will kind of you know take it easy during the day, uh, and morning and evenings might be your best time. Uh, but once fall comes around, things start to cool off. Uh, a lot of people like that season. And like I said, you can you can definitely catch fish in the winter, but they're usually uh, a little less eager to chase something down. So you really have to put your fly right in front of their face uh you have to choose your your flies pretty specifically you have to find where they're sitting in the water which might be different than where they sit um the rest of the year and you have to be willing to go stand in freezing cold water but apart from that you 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 can fish in the winter and a lot of people do
0: okay so for somebody that's brand new to it like myself and someone that somebody that's looking to get into fly fishing what would you say is a good starting price range to to get some good adequate gear
1: yeah so um part of it depends on what all you want so for example for you down in texas you might not need something like waiters which could be an essential piece of gear for someone living in like northern canada and they might need that year round um okay so i'm just going to assume that we're talking about the like what you absolutely need to get out and fish which is like a rotted reel line that kind of stuff not the accessories that Make it a little bit easier, Uh, but in that case, if you're just looking to get your first setup um, and go take your first cast and hopefully catch a fish, um, you can definitely do that for under two hundred dollars. A a more realistic budget if you're looking to get a couple of those accessories that are really nice to have, um, you might be looking closer to three to five hundred dollars, and that's you know that can get you some waders and boots and things like that. But you can get the rod, reel, line, and flies for under two hundred dollars and be out on the water. Um so that that I think is a little less than some people expect because it definitely can become an expensive activity once you get into it, and there's right. you know then the the world is your oyster when it comes to what you wanna buy but there are there are plenty of decent rods for under two hundred dollars.
0: That's interesting. I honestly thought you were gonna say a little bit higher to the to the three hundred maybe four hundred price range uh just because of how fancy everything like is well, not necessarily fancy, but just you know, the, the different, uh, rods that, that, uh, Mm -hmm. come with it, you know?
1: Yeah. And like I said, you can, you can easily spend that or more. Um, I'm talking about more like someone who's not quite sure if they, if they're going to like it and they want to give it a try. Um, but one of the, one of the nice things about these rods. So, um, when I say that you can get all these things, it's, it's often easier to buy them as a set. So there there are a lot of, like uh, they call them combos or outfits, where you can buy the rod, reel, line, and leader already strung up and ready to go. Like You pull it out of the box and you can start fishing with it once you tie a fly on. Um, and that, I think, is the best way to go when you're first starting off because that's a, that's a little less intimidating than having to piece together all this stuff on your own. And it's probably going to be a little bit cheaper as well because you're getting it all packaged from the same company. They've already put it together for you. And it saves you the hassle of having to set everything up. Uh, and what's nice about these is that these days they're, are definitely good quality rods and poor quality rods, but at the end of the day, it's not the type of thing where if you buy something on the lower end, that it's going to fall apart and break within the first year. Um, I've got some of these lower end outfits that I bought years ago and I still use them, um, without problems. In general, the quality is just how easy it is for you to cast, how well it will cast and how accurate it is. Um. In terms of rods and in, in terms of reels, you know, you get better drag systems and things like that. But it's not the type of activity where if you do spend the under two hundred for the combination, that you're going to go out five times and it's going to fall apart. Like that—that's not the issue. Um, okay. You can just choose to upgrade the quality later on if you want. But even when you upgrade, you can still use that—that that other stuff as maybe your, you know, the rod you keep in the trunk of your car in case you happen to drive across a, a stream and want to try it out. Um, so that is really nice that you get to kind of keep that combo and you can still use it without worrying about it just falling apart.
0: Okay. Interesting. And uh is there like any uh, or have you ever participated in like a tournament or a league, a fishing league? Does that even exist?
1: Uh in in terms of fly fishing? Yes. Um I have not participated in any sort of fly fishing tournaments. I I've fished in a couple just like hometown fishing tournaments when i was a kid but that was just regular fishing um there are fly fishing competitions but i don't think they're as prevalent as like the you know pan fishing tournaments or bass fishing tournaments that you see there's like a u.s national team that i'm you know that's usually when people refer to competition fly fishing that's what they're talking about people who are on some sort of team and they compete in these um I guess they're called. Ev- I'm not even sure. I think they're probably called the like key events or something like that. Um, but I'm I'm not too knowledgeable on those. I just know it exists.
0: Is there anything else you want to add before we move over to your podcast?
1: <sighs> Let me think. Um, I guess I'd just say that if you're looking to get started, um, I can I can just give you a couple tips on like where to begin because I know that that's one of the big barriers. Is that it, you know it's not that in- it, it can feel intimidating, even though once you've started, you realize that it's it's actually not. Um, but it, you know, for like anything like this is, it's going to be tough to get started. Um, and I would say just start by looking at some YouTube videos. Um, one of the things I always recommend at the beginning is to learn your terminology, because one of the, one of the hardest parts is that even if you turn a video on, you don't know what you're looking at or what the person's talking about. If you don't understand what they're saying, like the slang exactly. they're using. Um, and so that's, that's one of those barriers. So I would just look at a list of, fly fishing terms. It's going to tell you what all the different gears called, um, what someone means when they say a back cast or a forward cast, things like that. So then you can go on YouTube and that's, you know, that's the, the new fly fisherman's best friend. Just,
0: it is. <laughs> yeah, just
1: watching videos. There's plenty of people who have a bunch of free content out there that'll walk you through from start to finish, um, how to, how to cast, how to find fish, things like that. Um, so just start by looking at the terminology, watch a bunch of videos. Um, and then you just, you can probably even find gear to rent and then just go try on your local pond um just practice the the cast uh for for things like bluegill or bass and um uh, before you know it the cast will start coming a little bit more naturally and and then you can walk into a fly shop and start to ask a little bit more specific questions uh, to to like the people who work there and they'll be happy to help you um just let them know you're new and they'll be able to walk you through from start to finish what you need
0: i appreciate that and so you have your own podcasts yes um, Fish Untamed, right? yep can you tell us a little bit about that? like what motivated you to translate what you've experienced what you've learned into a podcast?
1: Sure. so I a couple of years ago I started a blog um, by the same name Fish Untamed and that was just because you know I working full time and everything you don't you don't have as much time to go participate in your hobbies as you'd like. So I thought well if I can't always be fishing then I can be you know talking to others about it. Um, or sharing experiences online so I just started a blog and then I found that I was listening to so many podcasts every day I you know at work I can listen to podcasts all day so I was like well I feel like I'm almost part of this podcasting world and I but I feel like I I want to participate more so I it just seemed like the natural next step to just start a podcast to go along with the blog um, so it's I mean fly fishing is really the only thing that holds it all together uh, I I talk about anything from tips and tactics to conservation to just like you know chatting about the ethics or etiquette or things like that you know anything related to um fly fishing and i I even had a couple episodes that aren't really specific to fly fishing uh and are more specific to just fishing or just fish um it, it all interests me so i'm i'm pretty happy to talk to anyone who has an interest in it at all
0: so your your podcast is more uh like an interview style more more so than like a a segment to segment style podcast.
1: Yeah, they're at least so far they've all been interviews and uh I don't I don't know if I'm quite ready to do one on my own yet. That that's intimidating to me. It um, is intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just interviews. Um and it's you know, anyone from some of my friends to people who work for like fish and wildlife departments, um like I said, I'm pr- I'm pretty open to it as l- as long as I've got someone who's who's got a good story to tell or or information to share.
0: And you said you've been doing the the podcast for how long?
1: Oh, I think since maybe October. I'm not, I'm actually not positive. I I'm uh like twenty something episodes in, but I switched to going every two weeks not long ago, so I can't even just count the weeks back. Um, but I think I'm I think I'm around episode twenty three now, twenty two or twenty
0: three. Okay. And like your your podcast, uh, can a beginner like myself go to episode one and get a good background on fly fishing, or is it more so for for the experienced fly fishermen?
1: Um, I think it really depends episode to episode. So I definitely don't walk through like episode one is beginners and it's progressing to more advanced because like I said, I kind of jump uh, all around based on who I'm talking to. Um, So for example, the last episode I did could be for anybody. It was just about um, the recovery of a rare species of trout that uh, was, was near extinction and the state of California worked to bring it back. So that one wasn't really fly fishing specific. You don't need to know anything about fly fishing or even trout to understand it. Um but I have had some that are more advanced techniques and so you'd you'd probably want a bit of a background in fly fishing to enjoy that one. Um so I I'm hoping at some point to do just a maybe a series of like beginner 101 for anyone who's looking to learn about it. Um but That'd I'd say just yeah yeah. So if you just look at the episode titles it it usually tells you, you know, if it's talking about like advanced nymphing tactics that might not be for a beginner but um i think one of them was just talking about like fly fishing culture and so you could you could probably appreciate that even as a as a non-angler just listening to people muse about about you know what goes into fly fishing and, and the culture around it
0: where can we find your, your podcast
1: so it's on i think all the major platforms um just under fish untamed i know it's on like apple and spotify uh, and then my website's just fishuntamed.com, com. fish untamed on social media it's i mean it's fish unnamed everywhere. <laughs> so so just <laughs> throw that into Google and I'm sure it'll bring up what you're looking for.
0: I appreciate that. I have a, a couple more questions for you sure. um, that are not specific to fly fishing, even though I appreciate all the info you, you provided me because it was some pretty good stuff. But I wanted to start off with a question that even though you already taught us a little bit about fly fishing, mm-hmm. my question to you is if you had to teach a class On one thing, obviously not fly fishing because you just did that. What would you teach? (laughs) Oh
1: no, Uh, let me think here. Um, uh, you know, I I'm not sure if I know anything specifically, but I think I would enjoy teaching some sort of craft that I, you know, this can kind of relate to fly fishing. I think I would like to get better at fly tying, and I think that would be a super fun thing to teach to people. Um, basically, if if I were teaching something, I think some sort of craft that you can do with your hands would be fun. Um, I, I like hands-on things like that and I think it'd be fun to, to teach that in a group setting.
0: So like, uh, if, if you don't want to relate it to fly fishing, like woodworking, would that be something that you would want to teach?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something like that. I mean, <laughs> I, I am by no means an expert at woodworking, but that's something that I would be interested in. And I think it would be fun to teach that like in a group setting.
0: Okay. And the next question is, you know, still related, but not really, if you can instantly become one, what would you want to be an expert in? And you know, for the sake of this, let's not make it fly fishing related. Let's just say anything, anything in the world that you can be an expert in, what would you want to be? In?
1: I think I would like to be an expert in um, like primitive skills, like, okay. uh, like, like homesteading, Um, being able to raise your own uh, animals and plant your own crops and forage and um, basically take care of yourself without any sort of input from society i think that would be a lot of fun
0: yeah that is interesting yeah i never really put too much into or too much thought into something like that but that i like that approach
1: maybe it's on my mind because of coronavirus but like yeah uh, you know yeah
0: that's that's exactly when when you started saying that i'm like hey coronavirus you know (laughs) i started thinking (laughs) the same thing so yeah yeah i like that and then um what's one bad habit that you're trying to get rid of right now
1: Hmm, uh spending too much wasted time on my phone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you you would think that the corona would help us with that, but no, it's actually probably made it worse, huh?
1: <laughs> I think it's I think it is actually helping me with it. Um just because I've got more time to actually pursue things that entertain me versus just having like little snippets of time here and there. I think that's what usually gets me sucked in is that I I only have like a couple minutes, so I you yeah. know naturally just pick up my phone. But now that I have a little bit more time, I can actually invest it in doing something that's actually interesting to me. But I'm by no means you know fully at my destination yet. I'm I'm still struggling <laughs> with it.
0: I think with me because of of having to run the podcast and you need social media. Right, it's made me a little bit worse. Like I I'm checking Instagram like every ten fifteen minutes, refreshing, trying to see if I got any new likes, any new follows. So it's probably made me worse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm definitely that way with like the podcast website stats. Like I'm constantly checking how many, how many downloads I have or how many you know, yeah, website yeah, visitors <laughs> I have.
0: <laughs> Not as
1: many as I'd like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: definitely. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> so my final question to you, uh, this one might be a little bit tougher. Uh, answer it as you like. Okay. But what has been one of your biggest failures and what did you learn, learn from it?
1: Uh, okay. Um, I think, I think one of my, if you want to call it like a regret or something like that, is sure. Um, I I wish I had, I think, kept in touch with more people along the way. Like, and I and I think maybe that's another thing that's being spurred on by by the coronavirus is that I'm trying to make more time to like reach out and check in with people. Um, there's like there's so many people in my life that I you know, still, I still consider some of my closest friends. And then I realized that I only talk to them every couple of months or, or less. And there's definitely been relationships that have kind of gone by the wayside because of that. Um, and so maybe that's just why it's on the top of my mind. But um, I, I would say that's one of my bigger regrets is having let some relationships lapse that I shouldn't have.
0: And it kind of makes you feel bad because now that you're, you might be trying to to communicate with them. Doesn't it give you like that awkward sense, like, yeah, well, you haven't spoken to me in months or years, like, what yeah.
1: do you know. Yeah, I think, I yeah, I think you're just like, you know, do you think this is weird that I'm suddenly reaching out? And you know, I'm sure. I think you think about it on your end, and you're like, well, I wouldn't feel weird if an old friend reached out, but you know, it still gives you hesitation to to try to, you know, do that <laughs> from your end. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. Well, I I, I appreciate the way you answered it. That's uh, that's an honest <laughs> response. It really is. But that's that's it for now, Katie. Uh, Thank you so much for, for spending time with me, uh, answering some questions, teaching a newbie (laughs) (laughs) about fly fishing. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on my podcast.
1: Yeah, no problem. And, and to you and anyone listening, you know, if, if you ever have any specific questions, like I'm happy, I love helping people get started. So if you have any questions about fly fishing or just don't know where to start, I'm, I'm happy. I'm an open book and,
0: and ready to help. I appreciate that, Katie. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: Kiss me and I'll tell you Whether I